right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a How I Got Here version of the podcast with Mr. Bob Pachris from ESPN.com, the great motorsports writer there. Definitely the hardest working person in the NASCAR media, probably the motorsports media as far as I know. Almost always the first one there, last one to leave. Spends his days off from work checking court records at the courthouse instead of relaxing or doing something fun. Always answering fan questions on Twitter. That's just what makes him Bob Pachris. And today I want to find out how he got to this point. Was he always like this? What what the heck is going on? I'm here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Bob spent part of his childhood and early years in Indiana, went to Indiana University, and got his start covering indie racing rather than NASCAR. So I thought this week would be appropriate for the how I got here. So let's get right into it. This is the career story of Bob Pachris. All right, everybody, I'm here with Bob Pachris. And uh, Bob, thank you for doing this. I'm very excited to have you on here. I'm excited to be on here. I listen to these a lot. All the stories are interesting. I'm thinking mine might not be as interesting as some of the others, but way to sell find it. Way to sell it. I think yours is very interesting. That's why I wanted you to be on here. So, Bob, how did this start for you? Did you grow up as a motorsports fan? Well, I grew up in Indianapolis, or moved there when I was 10. So I was a little bit of a stick-and-ball fan till I was till I was 10. I was a fan of all sports. and uh, But when you live in Indianapolis, you become a race fan. I mean, that the Indy 500 is part of the culture of the city more than any other place I've ever been. And so, you know... My, we got, I think I moved there in 1979. I'm pretty sure I went to the Indy 500 in 1980 or 81. My dad's like, well, we got to get tickets. I don't think he was happy with the amount of people and parking and traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't go again until I was in high school. And my older brother lived about a mile from the racetrack. And so every Indy 500, I'd go and sleep over at my brother's house. And we'd walk to the walk and pay the general admission, which is like 20 bucks or 25 bucks, and stand in turn one and get sunburned and watch the Indy 500. Do you remember any of those races? No, I, I think what I remember just most is just how fast the cars are. Yeah. And, and I think to this day, you know, NASCAR goes to Indy, which, you know, look, I could watch them race uh, any type of car at Indy, and I'd, I'd probably love it. But you know, 220 in the corner is still a lot different than 160. Yeah. So once you're in Indiana, you end up, um, eventually going to IU, correct? Yep. And so when you're at IU, were you going to college with the intent of like, um, like I, I want to be a racing writer or I just want to be a sports writer? <laughs> I, I went to Indiana thinking I wanted to own my own business. Really? Yeah. And I stuck, I was a business major when I got there. I started taking classes and I realized that the business school was, you know, when one of the in one of your first accounting classes, and they say, "Well, you gotta you gotta pay the peon something." Pretty much is the way <laughs> the professor put it. I, I realized that they were more training you to work in corporate America rather than maybe owning your own business. And so, what kind of business did you picture I, yourself? I, I had no idea. Oh. I really had no idea. But okay. I just thought like I would like to run a business. That's uh-huh. kind of what I thought. And. You know, I had worked for the school newspaper. My older brother was working for the Indianapolis News, the afternoon paper. If you, th- there used to be papers that were published in the yeah, afternoon, that's crazy. And um, and so I always had a little bit of journalism bug. And uh, my 
second semester of my freshman year, I started working at the school newspaper, just doing news stories. And uh, and what really got caught me was that I did a story on a crop walk, which is one of those like walks for hunger. Okay. And I did like a story that was going to happen. And then I went to the walk and like two people came to the registration table with a copy of the article. Wow. And to register to, to walk and, and donate money. And I'm like, the power of the press, <laughs> right? Like, people, like yeah. you know, and, and, and I thought that was like the coolest thing. Yeah. And obviously, IU Bloomington was a huge sports uh, place, Bobby Knight and everything. And I just thought, you know, I'd like to cover sports. So that's, that's when I started covering sports. It's like my uh, sophomore year in, uh, in college, and I changed my major and... um. And that was that. So when you're at the school paper there, um, and and Bobby Knight was the basketball coach at IU. I mean, did you have any run-ins with him or anything like that? Was he difficult, as as everybody said? Uh, well, I did end a press conference once. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was working for, you know, that that was like fast forward my junior, probably my junior year, or senior year. I was working for um, UPI. I would go there and send like you know. F- five or six graphs and send quotes and they were doing a national story on how bad free throw shooting was okay so you can see where this is going <laughs> and indiana was really struggling at the free throw line and after one of the games and i think knight had just gotten the the stat sheet handed to him because he looked at something and he just had this look on his face and it's my turn to ask a question oh god <laughs> and and i tried to be you know i'm like look i said this is the year they had the four or five freshmen and i said coach i said you know, usually you the downtime in practice is when you shoot free throws because the few practices we got to go to, you know, they would you know run through plays and then kind of the, the rest time they shoot free throws. I said, have you just had less time to practice free throws because you have so much freshmen? Have you had to do so much teaching in practice? The answer was something like, you know, how maybe we haven't practiced an effing free throw since effing October fifteenth. F this and walked out. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and, and then like all the other writers and pat you on the back because it was like a, it was, you know, badge part, of honor. It, I don't know whether there's a badge of honor, but it's more just like, you know, Hey, you know, it happens to everybody. Oh, I see. Kind I of see. thing. Yeah, and I got you. So, like, all right. You know, um, and, and by that time I had covered a lot of games for the school paper and, and, and stuff. So it wasn't, it, you know, it was a surprise that, Bob Knight got angry. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was, uh, so yeah, uh, it was it's just it's one of those things like, yeah, it, in the end, yeah, basketball at the time, there's there's just so much going on. It was such a great, um, great experience. Yeah. So once you got done with school, um, I'm, I'm impressed that you were already doing, you know, wire service stringing in college. That, that had to be a good start for you. Yeah. Well, so, and on that, you know, we... Also, you know, Dustin Long uh, and I were both there at the same time, and we had a friend, as a friend of ours, who was working for UPI, and we also ran quotes during Indy 500 weekends. Oh, okay. So that's how so you I started covering the yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, that was my experience was, you know, running quotes and getting quotes for uh, UPI. Wow. On uh, on you know qualifying weekends and big practice days and race day. So you'd like literally go get a quote and come back up and send it. You just give it to the guy. You know they were there. Oh, you know so. Uh, oh, you just give it to the writer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, there's. So you're just the, the writer sitting there, and you're just feeding him. Like, here's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pretty okay. much. Wow. So what what was your first step out of college then? First 
job mm -hmm. at college. Uh, my first job at college was uh, at the Daytona Beach News Journal. So I, you got hired there right out of school. I, I um so my senior year, and I had I had did not have a a newspaper internship. Um, I was close. I didn't get them. I did an internship at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis in their PR department. Really? Yeah, doing like writing and 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 stuff <laughs> for them and wow. and everything. I had spent one summer in uh, in in summer school, and then my after my senior year, I did. I was the, the entire month of May. I worked for the Marion, Indiana paper and Gannett News Service. So that may have been like it was kind of my first mini job at college, but it was uh -huh. just for the month of May. They contracted me to do all their Indy 500 stuff, their Indy 500 special section. Wow! Um, so it was uh, again, it was a friend who had been at the school paper, who was then already the sports editor of of that paper, and he said, "You know, can you work for us for a month of May?" So and my stuff went over the Gannett wires and everything. So it was pretty cool. That is cool. And then, but I was with that job. My I probably sent out about 250 to 300 resumes and packets and everything to papers. 250 to 300. I, that's what I would estimate. And every rejection letter I put on my bedroom my bedroom door wall. Really? Or my bedroom door and on my wall. Every rejection letter I got. And wow. back then, people were nice. They actually sent rejection letters. Instead of just <laughs> ignore it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, wow. And, so you're using it as motivation. Yeah. Yeah. You're just trying to, you know, say, hey, keep plugging away. And. I get out of the blue. I get a phone call from the Daytona Beach News Journal. They have an opening in for a sports writer in their Deland office, and uh, one of the former writers from Indiana had worked there a few years earlier, and he told me it's a good place. So I went down and um, and interviewed and, and got the job and put stuff in my car and drove to Daytona Beach. Um, my NASCAR knowledge was about pretty much limited to Days of Thunder. Wow. And uh, and started working for the Daytona Beach newspaper covering pretty much two high schools for like their regional edition and regional sections. So you're in Deland, which is what, 20 miles from? Yeah, about 20, 25 miles west of, um, west of, Daytona. of Daytona. And you're covering high schools and uh, small colleges? Yeah. And it may, like it, when it first started, it was pretty much two high schools. And then any other general assignment, and then as things, you know, as people got laid off, <laughs> mm -hmm. frankly, you know, I end up taking on more responsibilities. A lot of Stetson University there, uh, some other c college coverage. Eventually, I got to do uh, Florida State uh, football on the weekends, uh, home games and select row games. So it kind of grew, and obviously, I did a did a lot of local racing. And then when stuff was at Daytona, I would uh, do stuff there. What were some of the uh, crazier high school sports you covered <laughs> back when you were at um, the Daytona paper? Well, I mean, Daytona, I covered everything. I mean, all all sports. Uh, you know, it's a big weightlifting area. So, you know, high school weightlifting was a big, was a big deal there. Um, high school weightlifting. High school weightlifting. Big, big deal in Daytona Beach. Um so you're going yeah. out and you're like, okay, I'm going to the girls' high school. And they they actually started girls' high school weightlifting. I think while I was during my, I spent 12 years there, and during that time, yeah, they started that. I mean, I covered some high school rodeo, which wow. wasn't like a high school sport, you know. But I covered, you know, I covered big little league games. 
I covered a lot of American Legion baseball. There's one time I covered an American Legion baseball game in the morning and World Cup soccer in Orlando at night. Wow. I don't know if anybody else can. <laughs> yeah, that's can, quite a double header. <laughs> can say that, yes. Uh, so that was one of the coolest things. Obviously, World Cup in Orlando in, uh, I guess, 94. So you're, but you're getting, as part of the general assignment stuff you're doing, aside from your main high school duties, you were getting some NASCAR exposure. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a ton. I mean, for, I was doing a lot of short tracks. Uh, Volusia County Speedway had an asphalt track at the time. Covered a Bush race, Bush Series race there. When it was a Bush Series, uh, and the track started coming apart during the race because it was July. They were doing it at the same time as uh, the July 4 race at Daytona at that okay. time. And the cars were so heavy in the heat and tore up the track. It was it was crazy. I want to say Steve Grissom won that race. Wow. But, yeah, it was so – but did that and then did a ton of stuff at uh, at uh, at Daytona, really helping out the riders there. And eventually, because as the sport grew and the coverage for the paper grew, they needed somebody who knew the sport to kind of handle assignments and everything. The, the, the writer – the main writer there, Godwin Kelly, we need him to concentrate on writing, you know, and, and not worry about who's doing what. And so mm-hmm. a lot, of, so for a lot of that time, I would become the point person during the weeks, so like and, and like be giving out assignments to other writers. Wow. You know, when crazy news happened, I was the connection to the news desk and everything to uh, kind of help uh, help organize things. So at some course during that, are you thinking to yourself, you know, what I really want to be a NASCAR writer full time? Or did you have a certain sport in mind? I mean, surely you didn't go there planning to stay there 12 years, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think anybody expects to stay there 12 years. And the thing at Daytona is that, you know, there, there were a lot of people who didn't leave their jobs. You know, there wasn't yeah. a lot of, you know, I was in the DeLand office for 12, 12 years. Wow. And, and that's not, you know, I mean, some people love it, but, you know, when you're young kid you're looking around and i was always thinking i'd cover some sort of college or pro sports and maybe some racing mm-hmm. and i applied for a ton of jobs did a ton of interviews uh didn't get jobs i mean there was one day i want to say in 95 or 96 where i got three phone calls from sports editors on my answering machine at home and you know about jobs and and none of them came through none wow. of them you know uh how many places do you think rejected you over the course of the 12 whoa. years <laughs> A lot. Um, like seriously? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, like every you, you you would get to a point where, like, every year, year and a half, you would just send blindly to papers and everything, and you know, and you had is, interviews and this, as a result, and it just uh, yeah, I probably had seven or eight interviews. Wow, and uh, you know, and and some places, at least one place, I think I had two interviews. Wow. So you so know. was it? Were you getting discouraged at that point? Like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get out of Daytona. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think. You get discouraged, but, you know, when, when I was at Indiana, we would always joke, like, you know, you're never going to cover a beat like this for another 10 years. Like, you just kind of assume that it was going to take time to grow and, and you were going to have to cover a lot of different things, which you're, you're thankful for because it gives you a good perspective. But uh, I think what, what kept me going is I loved journalism. I mean, I loved telling stories. I loved writing about the, the, the people. And... So it the goal wasn't to be uh to write about a specific sport per se. The goal was to try to uh have a bigger impact on more people and hopefully go to a an either stay in Daytona and have a maybe a beat that was more uh prominent 
or go somewhere else and uh, and, and be on one of their more prominent beats because it was um, because the coolest thing is to sit in a restaurant and hear somebody else talk about a story you wrote. Uh-huh. To me, I mean that's that that's what excites me. Yeah, you know, I think that's the that's the coolest thing. So, how did you eventually find your next step then? So. NASCAR Scene Magazine, which was a weekly magazine, had an opening for uh, what was then called the Bush Series, the Bush their Bush Series writer, and uh, Guywin Kelly, the the main writer in Daytona, uh, had done some stringing for them, and I knew all the people from from what was then Winston Cup Scene Magazine because they sat across from me in the media center at Daytona, so and they all knew me, so. I mean, they didn't know me well, but they knew who I was, and they knew how I approached my job. And uh, and at first, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to a magazine, right, just once a week, like for me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but um, God was like, you really should apply. It. And and I applied, and they were they were interested, and um, and and they hired me. So after twelve years in Daytona, I moved to Charlotte to go. Uh, work really it was the bush series beat for them and uh and i i would often if i was covering the race if i was at the track that weekend and there was a cup race i often stayed for the cup race and helped with uh, cup coverage so once you got that opportunity at nascar scene did you feel like you elevated your journalism game and or did anything differently you know once you had this opportunity or have you been this way sort of like all along where you covered high schools and stuff the same way that you were when you got to start covering NASCAR stuff? Um, I think I covered it mostly the same way. Uh, you know, like there's always certain things that, you know, and that, that the intensity in, in some areas might be a little bit different. Right. Uh, but you know, I always try to learn as much as I could. I used to on a Saturday morning it, if I wasn't covering college football in Florida, I would drive to have I had like an hour and a half loop and I'd go drive and buy all the newspapers from I'd drive up close to Jacksonville because our teams played near Jacksonville, then drive out to towards Ocala and then to Orlando and pick up newspapers so that I could under so I could read the stories about the teams they were covering. There was no Internet back then wow. to, you know, or free Internet yeah. to learn about that stuff. So I've always had that kind of intense uh outlook uh you know i think uh winston cup scene nascar scene magazine was a pretty intense magazine too it really blanketed the sport and um you know i just uh but i think i've always always gone about the job the same way and i think working in daytona when you're the one beat writer at stetson university and stuff happens you write about and so you learn that you know you, you know, if nobody else, there was nobody else to ask questions, right? So you had to ask the tough questions, you had to ask the easy questions. You did, you did everything, and I think it allowed allowed me to maybe work more independently. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're at scene, and you start being quite prominent on the beat, at least in my opinion, because that's when I showed up at scene. And by then, you were like Bob. You were like, oh my gosh, Bob, at least to me. I was like, I remember being like, wow, I'm talking to Bob. So, I mean, I think, I feel like you were fairly well known at the time. Um, Then uh, we lost our magazine job and there was, they kept the website seen daily. Um, So how long, how long were you at scene and the scene daily.com in total? 
I think about, I guess, eight or nine years, right? Because I got there in in September 2003 or October 2003. Um, and then the last year of the magazine was 2009. Is that right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it shut down in January, January 2010. Yeah. And then I think uh, the website lasted about uh, two or three more years and then got folded into the sporting news. And that's how I got part of the sporting news. And so when are, were you just like along for the ride at that point or were you like looking at possibly doing something else were you happy to be where you were and still you know be working at what became sporting news and things like that yeah i think i was happy i you know that that time in journalism and still you, you just don't you don't know what's going to happen day to day so you're always kind of keeping your eye out on things and and trying to figure out what your next step would be if if something happened and you know thankfully for me nothing you know nothing happened but as far as getting laid off but you know yeah I mean you, you looked at other things you you know occasionally apply maybe for something just to see what the interest might be but um you know I uh I mean I enjoy covering this so it's it, it wasn't something I was you know like oh gosh I I got it get out because there's going to be no no room for me i'm gonna play the musical chairs and as long as i still have a place to sit i'm gonna i'm gonna do it yeah so um it came a time where uh nate ryan left usa today and there was an opening at usa today i was there at the time i really wanted you to come work <laughs> with me at usa today and at the same time espn had an opportunity uh, around the same time, and you ended up going to ESPN. I guess it worked out for you. Yeah, it um, did. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, and, and I mean, that's, you know, you, again, you know, maybe right place, right time, but, you know, the editor then of ESPN.com, the motorsports editor, he came to about seven, eight races a year. And so, you know, he had watched me work and read my work, you know, so there wasn't, there wasn't a huge I didn't have to convince him really to hire me I don't think you know he knew and he knew everybody in here and he knew all the people who wanted that job mm -hmm. you know so I think it shows that you know you gotta go about your job the way you think you should go about it and just remember that people are always watching like yeah. if, if that's I mean you should be if you're a journalist you should be going about your job knowing that people are reading <laughs> and that you have a responsibility to your readers. But if you do have that thought in your mind about like, how do I move up? I, I think it's more just, you know, people, people watch and people read and they, and they know how you go about things. Yeah. It's interesting with you. I'm not so, it's not such a mystery to me as far as like, you know, Oh my gosh, why would ESPN hire him? Cause it, you know, and things like that. Cause it's like, you know, your, your reputation, everybody already knows what a hard work you are. I guess it's more of a mystery to me as to why you are such a hard worker. As you said earlier, you know, you were like this even when you're covering high schools. So, Bob, what drives you to be as dedicated as you are and be as hardworking as you are and, you know, get there, be the you know, first one there, last one to leave, always digging on stuff even on your days off? What, what drives you to do all that? Well, a couple of things. First off, uh, people's, especially now, their discretionary time and their discretionary income is pretty limited, right? And so if you can have an impact 
on what people decide to do with their free time or what they decide to do with their with the money that they've allocated to not spend on food and clothes and kids, you know, that's huge. That's, you know, if somebody decides, reads something I write and decides that they're going to go to a race, well, you know, that's a pretty big responsibility. Or if they read it and decide that they're going to go watch the NBA, you know, that's, that, that, that can be the role too. You know, it's not, it's not the goal necessarily, but it, the goal is to let people know about what's going on in their sport that they're a fan of or that they're interested in and then make a decision on whether they want to watch or buy this person's t-shirt or go to a race or, you know, that, 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 that that's to me is the, is the driving force. And the other thing is, is I like to try to break down myths and I like to be able to explain things that you can't see on TV and, and help you help people understand it. And so that takes, that takes work, right? That takes, you know, and that's why I like the legal stuff because you can't, you're li- you're less likely to lie <laughs> in the legal stuff, you know, or the contracts are there for to help you understand. So that's why, you know, that's why I like it. I like it because I want people to be able to know as much as they can about what they're seeing on Sundays and during the week. If somebody's out there and they want to be the next Bob Pachris, what's the path? What would you? It's tell a great them to question that? because I would. I've always said that go find work for a place that has racing or that has a big track, and even if you don't, even if you're not covering racing, if you're if there's a short track there that you can cover, and then you know then maybe it, they'll let you go cover the race that's an hour away or two hours away. Um, I think you need to learn that you need to have that kind of that well-rounded experience. And just like I did, and just like, you know, just like you did, right. You, you worked in, um, in Rocky Mount and then you went to San Bernardino, right. And how did NASCAR scene know you, you, you had done some, some freelance work, but we had seen you work. And, and that's, that's the way, you know, we got jobs. Now, I would also suggest any place where you can get strong editing and have people who really can help teach you along the way is a big deal. But, you know, right now it, it's hard. You know, you, we've seen people, you had Jay Pennell on earlier, you know, and that was a guy who just, you know, he moved to, the, he lived in the area. He worked for one website and then another website and and people saw it and and he ended up at Fox Sports there. And so, you know, that would be a path I'd be like, oh, you know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, no way can somebody get to Fox Sports through there. They're going to hire somebody from a newspaper who's been covering the beat. But but the, the industry has evolved. So I think there's there's many ways to do it. But I'm, I'd still maybe lean toward, you know, being get as, be as well-rounded as you can. Um, you know, the, the experiences I had covering high schools and the relationships and the controversies and, you know, and and all that stuff is, you know, is incredibly valuable. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your insight, Bob, and to, and taking the time to do this. I know you're probably have an itchy trigger finger to look back at your phone. So, um, thanks so much. Thank you, Jeff. All right, everybody. So there you have it. Thanks to Bob for taking all the time to do that known Bob for a long time, obviously, and we were once co-workers, as you heard there. 
So that was a cool experience to see him work up close, although a little bit frightening at times as well. But he is definitely one of a kind. I'm glad that more people will be able to find out how he got to this point. I think it's, uh, you know, something that could apply to a lot of different professions, how hard he works. Anyway, as I mentioned, I am here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It is the Indy 500 this weekend. The next plan for the podcast is to go to NASCAR Chasm's house on Sunday night after the Indy 500, watch the Coke 600 with him as we did last year, and then do a double header podcast. So hopefully that all works out again. I had to shuffle the 12 questions around this week. If you missed it, I used Alexander Rossi because he is an Indy 500 champion. I figured that was good going into the week. And so I switched the Eric Jones one around. The Eric Jones one will run on Tuesday. On a personal note, I just want to thank everybody for the well wishes. Recently announced that we're having a daughter due in October. So that's really exciting. Actually, my wife, Sarah, who is uh, Indiana native, is coming to the Indy 500. So maybe my daughter, future daughter, will hear race car sounds for the first time this weekend if she can hear yet. But um, a lot of people have actually asked about a baby registry. I just don't think that's necessary. I, you guys don't need to give gifts. Uh, it's very nice of you. The, the thought is very nice. But um, you don't you, you don't need to do anything. Um, you, you, everybody's done enough. I feel like everybody's been plenty nice without needing to give baby gifts. Um, if you do want to do anything, I guess, um, you could just go do your shopping on Amazon.com because if you do the link that goes to my site, the jeffgluck.com slash Amazon link, then I get a commission from the purchases. And I can tell you right now, we're going to be planning to buy a lot of our diapers off of that, off of the credit I get from Amazon through the purchases. And it's of no cost to you. So if you did want to do something, it's just free. You can just go to that link. But I don't think that gifts are necessarily uh, something that you should do. I, I just think that's a little much. Everybody's already, you know, being patrons and things like that. So that's that's already more than we could ask for. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast.